podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, Ollie, the producer here. Brilliant show coming your way. College Days with Nat and Ben bringing you five things you need to know about this draft class. Obviously, Ben being our resident college expert and a fan favourite, of course, as well. And we're delighted also to say that we're teaming up with College Football Ireland again for this season. Huge announcement. Ireland has a game in 2024. It's Georgia Tech v Florida State. And after being at last year's, I know you don't want to miss this. We had an incredible time out in Dublin. The show will be there again as well, I'm sure. So you can come out and hang out with us guys. Mike Carlson, Ben Isaacs, Nat Coombs will all be there. So head over to College Football Ireland for all the details and to register your interest. We'll be building up to Navy versus Notre Dame as well, which is going to be this year. Watch out for that. But let's get into the show now with the brilliant Nat and Ben for College Days. It is always a pleasure to see Benedict Isaacs in the house, particularly, Ben, when we are basking in the glow of a nomination for Best NFL Show at the Sports Podcast Awards. And I cannot think of a better NFL show than this one. This is why... It is recognized in a global competition as being potentially the best NFL podcast on the planet. And the planet, last I looked, mm. is really, really big. It's a big planet. Really it, big. It's really a big, big old planet. And we have stiff competition in the Sports Podcast Awards. Sports Podcast, sports podcast Group.com is where you head. So let's do that again, shall we? Sportspodcastgroup.com. Head vote. We're up against OC and J Bell. Now, I'm having lunch with OC. Uh, where are we now? In about two weeks' time. So I haven't lunch with OC. So I'm going to go to him with a, a deal, like look at a ticket kind of deal, like uh, like they like they did in Series 7 of the West Wing, like Santos, Bob Russell, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. Um, in this case, are we the Santos or the Bob Russell? I don't know. I don't, I mean, we don't, none of us want to be near Russell, but that kind of, maybe we can combine our votes and share the award. I'm going to suggest that to us, but I'm not sure he's going to go for it. I do feel that you know OC and J Bell are like if we're if we're going to continue the planet analogy, mm. we're in each other's orbits, you know. Like OC and J Bell are are our friends, you know. So I like that. I like that point. I like the fact that we yeah, it's an alliance. It is. It, it's a kind of rebel alliance play because of course we're up against mainly American shows, right? So uh, Richard Sherman. I'm a bit worried Sherman might start getting quite aggressive and really start to kick off if we try any smack talk. Oh yeah, I think if we're gonna if we're gonna try and if we can't match him on that, we've got to we've got to do our own thing because Sherman's smack talk was at an all pro level. He's a he's a high end broadcaster as well as we both are, obviously. Fair, fair. But he has certainly I'm gonna I'm gonna check. He certainly played more NFL games than me, more than you. Uh, hang on, I'm just doing the maths. Uh, yeah, that'll be yeah. Okay, more, yeah, more yeah, than yeah. both, but maybe not more than OC and J. But as well, so that'd be a whole interesting, Ooh. whole interesting strand we can get into. Anyway, look, enough of that jibber jabber. Delighted to be nominated. We are along for the ride. Thank you to everybody who has voted so far. We're going to put the link in the show notes and push it out on social. Of course, get behind it. We don't have any idea how it works. So I don't know how much the show voting counts. Is it going to be? Some kind of, yeah, vote, vote, vote. And it's 0.5% of the overall. And there's there's a shady, shadowy league figure panel, as um, as our friend Greg Rosendahl would say. Or, well, I don't know. But either way, we we would appreciate if you get behind it and vote. And we are just 
chuffed to bits to be nominated. And as we've said many a time, and I hope it's crystal clear, it's a collective. It's all of us together. We very much see our fans as part of the show, not least because the mailbag is always booming. And that is no exception. There is no exception today. So today we are going to talk, obviously, a bit about Lamar, the dominating story right now, as far as the NFL is concerned and speculate as to where he might land if he does leave Baltimore. We'll look at five key things that you need to know about this year's draft. Of course, we've been in the house, college days in effect, our college football expert, the draft is less than a month away. Who better than Ben to get you set? And you might kind of know, yeah, I know a bit about CJ Stroud. I know there are some decent quarterbacks, but haven't paid much attention to the draft so far. Well, you're in the right place. Ben's going to start. We're going to start the process by getting you up to speed with some of the key narratives leading into the draft. And then that wasn't enough, Ben Isaacs. We're going to play a bit of draft roulette. Long-time yeah. listeners will remember that they'll love rookie roulette, of course. You are one of our favorite elements of the show. Well, draft roulette is back. This is where we're going to fire out a bunch of different names See where the roulette wheel lands. Ben is going to give you the inside skinny on those players. That sounds exciting. Yeah, I, I mean, when I when I hear the word roulette, I obviously I do get a bit of PTSD. Um, I do I do think back to Vegas. Um, <laughs> yeah, did we? How much? What was the balance? The ratio of roulette versus blackjack versus that horse racing game? Um, well, I would say in terms of time spent, horse racing game beats all of them. For me, money spent, but also money won, blackjack. Yes. I I really enjoyed the blackjack and roulette. I tried not to mess around too much with that, but there's just something, there's just something a little bit intoxicating, just something a little bit fun about the ultra random nature of roulette. I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it's random. I'm hoping the MGM grand hasn't got it all rigged. I'm pretty sure they don't need to, um, but there's just something that any, anything Anything can happen in roulette and usually losing. I'm still yearning back to that casino where all the croupiers are dressed as mid 80s pop stars. <laughs> and I like, I don't know if, if we, if we went to that, that place tomorrow, would it be, they'd all be dressed as like kind of early 2000s pop stars. And would we then just feel super old? Yeah, like Timberlake, Fiddy. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. I wonder what we, well, we will know next February, right? Because we're going to be yeah, out before so. the Super Bowl. That's firstly, that's our number one order of business. Well, we've got to find the Sigma racing machine first. That's what we're going straight <laughs> there to make a pilgrimage for that. Then we're going to find the uh, casino with the uh, maybe 80s, maybe mid-noughties uh, group NSYNC uh, on the uh, roulette wheel. And then we'll deal with the Super Bowl after that. Anyway, all right, let's get down to business. Let's start with Lamar. Lamar requesting a trade, of course, the big news this week. It turns out, of course, that he'd asked for that a couple of weeks back, but the news broke this week. Just to recap, the non-exclusive franchise tag is on him for the 2023 season. He's owed over $32 million on the tender if and when he ultimately signs it. The deadline for Jackson to sign a multi-year contract mid-July, July 15. It is all happening. There is, because of the owners meeting going on, there's some really interesting stuff that is out there at the moment. Dan Graziano in particular, shout out to him at ESPN and others who have been putting out whispers, what they've been picking up on the ground. Lots of sources inevitably talking about the situation. Let me throw out a few things that Graziano and others have picked up, Ben, because I'm interested, first things first, on why you think there's no market right now for Lamar, as far as we can ascertain. 
Now, Graziano suggests, or he's heard, a lot of people have come back to him and said that uh, Baltimore want Jackson. They're keen to get it done. They're keen to get a, a, a deal done in the end, a long-term deal done in the end. And the rest of the league knows this. Also, the rest of the league is thinking, well, why are we going out and setting the market? Because, of course, if anyone makes an offer to Lamar, and if you join those two points together, Baltimore just have to match it, and it's job done, right? There is also the suggestion that, and this is really interesting, a lot of people think the problem between Baltimore and Lamar right now, well, it's obviously the terms of the deal, but it's specifically fully guaranteed. What we're hearing now is Lamar doesn't want a fully guaranteed deal. He just wants more fully guaranteed money in that deal than Deshaun Watson got, which is $230 million. So it doesn't have to be fully guaranteed. This whole collusion idea, it's still a big chunk of change to be fully guaranteed, but this whole collusion idea, maybe lost a bit of pace there. So ton of stuff floating around. The fact remains, nobody's been seriously linked or has demonstrated out in the open serious interest right now in Lamar. What's going on? Well, I think I want I want to I want to bring up the collusion thing or go back to the collusion thing that you said because I people like to see conspiracies. I think people like to imagine the like the owners all secretly getting together. I mean, can you imagine being in the WhatsApp group with all the NFL owners? Although presumably not every single Green Bay Packers shareholder is in that Listen, group. I wonder which maybe some owners aren't in it. Oh. <laughs> Slide is in one that's been dormant for ages. Guys, you're really quiet on the WhatsApp group. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dad. Yeah, we've just been really busy. <laughs> yeah. None of you none of you filled in my March Madness pool. What's going on? <laughs> um, so yeah, the other the other owners are in there. And yeah. I do not, I do not believe that they're like, oh, let's uh, let's all collude against Lamar Jackson. Now, for them to be colluding is they've had to make a decision together. Like, right, okay, as a group, we are not going to offer him a deal because it's going to it's going to mess up the market. It's gonna it's going to set the market too high. You either believe that, or you believe that lots of people have the same idea of, whoa, that's really expensive. And the Ravens are going to sign him anyway. Why should we make the running? And I think that's right. much more likely. Now, if you want to blame anyone for this, don't blame the owners. Well, you can. You can blame the Cleveland Browns for how much they paid Deshaun Watson because it just it moved the scale too much when it comes to that guaranteed money. So I don't blame Lamar for wanting for wanting more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson. He's achieved more than Deshaun Watson. And Lamar Jackson has never been an off-field distraction. There's never been an issue like Deshaun Watson has faced. If Deshaun Watson can get that money, and from everything that Deshaun Watson has gone through, put himself through, and his level of play compared to Lamar Jackson, a former NFL MVP, why shouldn't Lamar get more of that, get more money? But the problem is, is that I don't think Lamar is worth what he wants it's just that Deshaun Watson has put it into astronomical numbers. And I think teams and quarterbacks are going to be, no pun intended, paying the price for that. I think I still think he ends up as a Raven. It's like well, I I'm not I'm not a genius for thinking that, oh, there was going to be trouble down the road, that in this offseason, they were going to have issues with Lamar Jackson's contract because if they could have sorted this out during the season, that would have been the better way of doing it. How much they paid Roquan Smith was interesting because to me that that made me feel like the money they're the money they're investing in a you know off-ball linebacker 
makes me feel like they don't value the quarterback position as much as some other franchises that they feel like, okay, we can win a particular way. Maybe we can get Lamar on a more team friendly deal. Interestingly, of course, Roquan Smith negotiated his deal without an agent and Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent either. I still think he ends up in Baltimore. There are, there's potentially a good fit in Atlanta, a good fit in Indianapolis. If Indianapolis wanted to, you know, change their draft strategy rather than, rather than pick someone up early there. You know, just coming on that, Indianapolis is interesting um, because of the change in head coach, right? And what he managed to do with Jalen Hurts is the point I had someone make that I hadn't occurred to me that logical, because I hadn't really, obviously Indy need a quarterback, but I hadn't necessarily thought they'd be in the market here more looking in the draft. But yeah, that does make sense. Other teams that have seen linked theoretically just to underline our point at the top obviously they haven't publicly come out and there isn't any joined up uh interest in that respect right now the commanders Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of buzz about the commanders the panthers i'm assuming are all in on cj strad right that i think they must be yeah all right so they take him out of the running then so yeah i mean i think I think both of those in particular, the Colts and the Commanders, are, 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 are the most likely alternatives landing spots to, to Baltimore, right? Yeah, I mean, as far as the Panthers are concerned, obviously we've all known, everyone who follows the NFL has known that Lamar Jackson was going to be an issue this offseason. So if they thought they were going to make a run at him, you don't make that massive trade to get the number one pick. So we can definitely rule them out, even though that's potentially a nice fit. Just on that little just follow-up question, and is it CJ Stroud? Like, you don't make that move. You made the point, I think, on the show a few weeks back. You don't make a move unless you know who you want, probably. Uh, is, is is there any doubt, any possibility they don't go with him? I mean, I think I I would say I'm 95% sure it's going to be CJ Stroud. I am I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that's who they like. And I'm pretty confident you you like you say, you don't make that move just because you want a quarterback. You've got to be, if you are giving up as much as the Panthers gave up, you've got to have a particular guy that, right, we love this guy, it's going to be him. And it sounded like Lamar Jackson loved the idea of playing with Bill Belichick, that he liked the idea of being a Patriot. And because he doesn't have an agent and his agent isn't reaching out, he did what any normal person would do. And he asked his friend, rapper Meek Mill, to text Robert Kraft. Now, what... <laughs> now i have i have um i have a second cousin in um i was gonna say in boston he doesn't live in boston anymore he lives um lives in greenwich connecticut but he's he's kind of an acquaintance of robert Kraft. and my second cousin i feel like he is much more the sort of person who would be sitting around having a meeting with robert Kraft. meek mill not so much now robert Kraft told meek mill and this has been this has been reported that um, it's it's Bill Belichick's decision that Robert Kraft would wouldn't be getting involved now. That if Bill Belichick wants to make a, a run at Lamar Jackson, then that's that's all good. But by all accounts, Bill Belichick doesn't. He doesn't. He he also has made noises that he doesn't want Mac Jones, but I don't think he wants Lamar Jackson, which is a shame because I think that's a that's a potentially a fun fit as well. You see, Asante Samuel weighing in on this as well. So that's that. 
Yeah, that's Samuel came out and just said, don't paraphrasing, but basically don't Lamar, don't, don't you don't want to play with Bill Belichick, which given the success that Sante Samuel had uh, there is, is interesting. The if Kraft and Meek Miller type, who's messaging Belichick giving him from the pop culture galaxy, giving him a steer? Duke Kenny nice. Chesney? Huh? Who did you say? Who did you go for? Who did you say? Duke Knight. I would not cross Duke either Knight. of those people. <laughs> Have you seen? I'd be watching Coach Prime. You watching any of Coach Prime? No, I, I haven't. I need to just. I need to just watch all of it at once. I know that once I get started, I will yeah. be obsessed. You'll I'm in love, love with the guy. You'll love it. I, I, lo- I mean, uh, he's fast becoming. I think he's always been up there. He is, uh, I think, now in my top five of all-time athletes of any sport and, and <laughs> human he, beings human beings easily i mean he's the man is a, just legendary and there's a really really good bit early on in the first episode where you'll remember this as it played out in real time but uh, and for those not familiar with it uh it is of course Dion sanders prime time taking over at jackson and um as a head coach and facilitating a huge amount of change in a legendary college and when he took the gig early on, there were all kinds of things flying around, including Nick Saban firing shots on something. And one of the early scenes is Saban and Prime recording a commercial together for something. It's the first time they'd been together since, mm. since it kicked off. And a few observations, Nick Saban, unsurprisingly maybe given how prolific he is in that role, is an awkward and strange cat. <laughs> that's the, yeah. the first thing I know. Then they show a bit from the filming of the scene. And I guess anyone might look awkward and strange next to Prime, <laughs> to be fair. But then they show a bit of filming from the scene. Uh, Prime nails it, quite natural. Saban, hammy hamster. <laughs> sure. the delivery. Sure. That's my, those are my hot takes from episode one of Prime Time. Well, I, the thing, and I've mentioned this about Nick Saban before, we've talked about um, like what is his incredible success built on? And it's built on recruiting. It's built on going into the homes of high school stars and convincing them they should go to Alabama. And you might feel like, oh, well, that's an easy choice. Alabama's amazing. But there are other amazing programs around, even just in that in that footprint. You know, he's got to go into places like Georgia and get people away who would normally go to Georgia and go into Louisiana and get people who should be going to LSU and that sort of mm. thing. And there was a great story about how amazing he is and how natural he is when he goes into these people's homes. And you would think because of like what what you'd said about filming that commercial and the way that the way that he is and the way that he is a little bit unusual, as I think you need to be, you'd think he would go in and feel a little bit awkward. But they said that if he went into the home of a black family, he could not fit in more. And they said when it comes to African-American cuisine, nobody likes it more than he does. And he is just super chill, super comfortable and like instantly becomes part of that family. And the like parents have to put so much trust in a guy mm. like that. You know, we're like, OK, we are we're sending him off. You are going to help mold him to be an adult. We've got to really trust you. And it's so interesting in who he's comfortable around and who he's not comfortable around. I think that's perhaps part of his success. And obviously Prime, Prime is very, the fact we're just calling him Prime, Coach Coach Prime, Coach Prime. He can, you can imagine him coming into anyone's home and he's just kind of taking over. I don't mean in a bad way, but just because of 
is charisma. Yeah, it's I mean, a very it good just... point. They're just different. Yeah, forces of nature is in a very different way. And maybe I was too quick to obviously say, but as a legend of the game. So I'm, I'm, when I say he's, he, he is, he is in the, at least oh. in the, awkward. He just comes yeah. But also what's fascinating is Prime is, as you alluded to, such a dominating character that of course is, is underpinned by this extraordinary charisma, but he is somebody that is tough as nails. And yet Saban is who was the one calling out some quite questionable things around money floating, flowing around in the game. And he, and, and he's, his heart of course has always been in college and uh, in the college game. And quite rightly, I think Saban is saying, what's this going to do to the game? And, Prime's talking about a player, possible prospect who is asking all the wrong questions in the initial interview with him, and and, and they 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 agree on this, and and, and they're they're right to to agree on it, and and you get the the sense that Saber's coming from the right place, but it's just that there's no contrition, there's no I'm going to back down, there's a real apology to Prime, mm. <laughs> just sitting there like a headmaster staring at him as though Prime has done something wrong, which was yeah. which was fascinating. Anyway, let's crack on. So. Uh, Coach Prime, incidentally, uh, on um, somewhat ironically, Amazon Prime. <laughs> or maybe it's Netflix, one of the two. Uh, all right. Let's, I want to ask you about the comments from Pete Carroll next. So Gina Smith re-upped, as we've talked about in our free agency frenzy episodes, plural. Go and check those out in the vault. Iron Mike. Iron Mike uh, talked about that, and we got into that. Gino, one of the deals done so far in the offseason. Perhaps no surprise there after his best season as a as a pro to date and good on him. One of the, uh, one of the great stories of last season, I think it's fair to say, but as I think was expected when he signed the extension or the new deal, he's going to operate as a good placeholder until Seattle work out their long-term succession plan. Gina's not going to be the quarterback of the Seahawks probably for, you know, the next six to 10 years. Right. And if uh, that was in doubt, Pete Carroll, I told Gino what we're doing. We talked beforehand. He knows what's going on. He was great about it. He gets it. He's been around the game. What he'll do is he'll help him. He's already stated that. Seattle are definitely drafting a quarterback. No, it certainly sounds like he certainly tipped his hand. What Interesting from Carroll as a wily old veteran. Either, it, either it's smoke and mirrors and they're not, or he's going to get, they've got their eye on someone in the third round. Took Russell Wilson, of course, in the third round. So either there's that, he's faking or, yeah, uncharacteristic well, hand tip there. I mean, you know my policy. I think if you can, you draft a quarterback. If you've got an established quarterback already, draft a quarterback. Draft one, draft one late on. You just don't know what will happen. Maybe, th maybe they'll be terrible and you've wasted a sixth round pick that you could have used for someone else who might be a role player sometimes, maybe. But just maybe you've got a really, really good backup there that you've got for peanuts. Maybe you get your quarterback of the future. Maybe you end up with like, well, we've got two starting quarterbacks and you trade one away and you get a first round pick or something. Mm. And that might be his plan. Get someone, get someone late on, get someone like a Hendon hooker, someone who you won't, isn't going to go in the first round and is going to require rehab and work, but has a lot of talent and Geno Smith is such a kind of consummate professional that I think that's a really good person to, to learn behind. So maybe he just means, yeah, we're going to take someone because 
they follow the Ben Isaac school of just draft a quarterback every year anyway. Or he's thinking at some point we are going to bring someone in and he will have to learn behind Geno Smith. But yeah, I'm very interested. To me, it does sound like he's tipped his hand a little bit and he will draft someone. But I don't see it. I don't see them trading up or anything like that. I think they they know that Gino can steady the ship and Gino will be okay. But in a couple of years' time, they will have their guy. Okay, well, that segues perfectly into your top five things to look out for in this year's draft. So I'm going to just fire them around. I don't think you put them in any particular order, right? Am I right? There's no kind of power wrecking. No, it's fine. Let's roll into then this one. Don't panic. Point number one. Don't panic if your team misses out on a quarterback. So explain more. Why not panic? Why, if you need a quarterback, if you're, well, Atlanta, we're going to debate about whether they do, whether Ritter, Carolina, obviously it looks sorted. But if you're a a team further down that either you're Detroit that thinks, oh, if the opportunity is good and Jared Goff's not a guy long-term, or you're the Colts, or you're a team that's in desperate need, possibly the Packers, why not panic if they miss out? I think because if you if you would like a quarterback this year, but you don't want to reach, you don't want to you don't want to trade a load of draft capital, you don't want to just take someone for the sake of taking someone, just do it next year. Twelve months can be a long time, of course, but you're probably not a rookie quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. You're still gonna have to start right. the clock on that rookie deal. Let's say you don't draft a quarterback and you have a terrible season. Well, you might have a coach and general manager out of the, out of the job, but as a fan, it might mean that you've got an early draft pick next year and you can get one of the top quarterbacks next year. Now, this might seem obvious. Well, yeah, if you miss out on someone one year, you can get someone the next year. Next year's quarterback class looks better than this one. Mm-hmm. And I like this year's. I didn't like last year's. I like... Next year's more. Caleb Williams at the moment looks like he'll be the number one overall pick. The quarterback at USC who had come through Oklahoma. Um, so many. So he was coached by Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And then when Lincoln Riley moved to USC, he brought him with him. And a lot of the quarterbacks have come through Lincoln Riley, whether you whether you like them or not. But Baker Mayfield, um, Jalen Hurts, um, you know, they are they are Lincoln Riley guys. So there's also Quinn Ewers, quarterback of Texas, who was just, people were absolutely in love with him coming out of high school. And he might he might not even play a whole lot for Texas because they've got Arch Manning now, um, which is going to be an interesting story in a, in a, in a few years' time. Jaden Daniels at LSU, KJ Jefferson, Arkansas. Spencer Rattler is an interesting one. We've been talking about Spencer Rattler for a few years, not just because... He was on that TV show QB1 where, you know, the likes of Justin Fields were on. Spencer Rattler's had an up and down college career, but he's still got he's still got a lot of talent. And he's someone who, if he has a really good season next year, I think he's once again a first round, a first round pick. So there are certain times where you might feel like you've really missed the boat. Like in the um in the 2021 draft, if you didn't get a quarterback then, you had a bit of a problem because there wasn't going to be it was unlikely to be a superstar in the in the next year's draft. It's deep next year. Interesting. Miss, not one, not one of those. Now. Okay, so next up, if the quarterback class this year is okay, but don't panic, because next year, equally, as you said, even better. 
What about the wide receiver class? You have said in your notes to me, and yet, listeners, I'm as surprised as you that Ben actually prepares notes for this. Propo, again, not (laughs) here for the record. I'd just like to point out, just getting, I mean, I got some half-cut message from him saying, oh, don't worry, I'll let it everything, get it out on the Friday. I mean, we've got to have a whole separate conversation about that, quite frankly. But uh, Betty, speedy business, taking care of notes uh, for the show. And this was your second point. The wide receiver class, nowhere near as good as recent years. Nowhere near, Betty. No. We've been in, well, I think we've been in a golden age the last few years of the wide receivers coming through that it's felt like every year there's a handful of wide receiver ones in that first round. Someone that is going to be your top wide receiver and is just going to hit the ground running. You know, I, the likes of the likes of Jamar Chase. So in 2021, he was he was the best wide receiver. He was the you know, he was the top ranked one. And this year, I'd say the top ranked one is probably um, Quentin Johnston um, at TCU. And I I like the guy. It's not like it's not like these wide receivers are terrible. It's not like I'm not as down on them as I was on the the quarterbacks last year, but it's such a drop off. So you've got Quentin Johnston from TCU. He's probably the best one in most people's eyes. I think I prefer Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's at Ohio State. I I think he's the I think he's the he's probably the best one. But in 2021, and you know we can't really judge everything from like you know a couple of years back but he had an he had a he had an injury in 2022 so he only had five catches but in 2021 he was there with chris alave and garrett wilson and he was clearly the third best out of those now you know they had they had riches but it's not a deep class now there will be wide plenty of wide receivers taken in those first two rounds but they are just nowhere near as good it's like I loved Chris Olave last year. I think Chris Olave is going to be an absolute superstar. Whereas the likes of, say, Zay Flowers. Now, he's probably the fourth or fifth best wide receiver. Zay Flowers um, from Boston College. Now, he's only 5'9". I'm not going to say, oh, he can't be a good wide receiver in the NFL. He's 5'9". But it's just a real drop-off. And speaking as a Bears fan, you know, I would have loved it if there was a, you know, if there was a, Jamar Chase in this in this draft, you might have seen a different sort of trade at that point. You know, the, a lot of teams are having to fill the wide receiver needs through free agency. And it's also a really bad year for wide receivers in free agency. It's a bad time to need a wide receiver. If you want a wide receiver, you've got to make a trade. There are people here who are going to make an impact in the NFL, but I don't think there's anyone here who is going to be a wide receiver one in the next few years. Interesting on the free agency, just to dovetail back to stuff coming out this week obj rocking up at the owners meeting do you see He's yeah i'm here guys obj will get a deal ravens need a receiver so we could conceivably ravens need, need a quarterback <laughs> well i think they're gonna be i think we've established they're gonna be okay yeah could be a lamar lamar odell beckham tandem rolling in baltimore that's how about fun that? how about yeah apples? uh all right so slim pickings when it comes to wide receiver uh but tight ends conversely is your next point tight yeah, ends this... fill your boots how many what is the tight end draft stock right so if we are taking accurate but generalizations on obviously quarterbacks are the richest 
edge rushes corners and we'll talk corners in a bit. Their stock seems to have risen uh, very much in recent years, maybe blindside tackles. Even there's always that draft insurance that you sign a blind, assuming you got a right-handed quarterback, a blindside tackle. If he's a buster at left tackle, you can flip him to right. And even then you can move him down the line as a guard. You probably get 10 years serviceability out of him. Yeah, kind of holding their own if they've maybe dropped compared to what, 10, 15 years ago. Running backs obviously have dropped in terms of stock. What about where are tight ends? I mean, is it a case of light running backs? If you've got a Saquon level talent, you're going to, they're going to go in the first round. If you've got a Kelsey, he's going to go high. But if you're talking Gasicki, is it a similar, similar value it's, tight ends and running backs these days? No, I would, I would definitely put them um, a step above running backs, but you're right. What you, what you tend to find with the tight end class is that you'll get some that are very like, real blue chip prospects like these these guys are kind of elite the, the kelseys who you can just are a huge part of your offensive game plan aren't running backs but, the same though or is the depth, I, the, the, the different differentiator then there's i i i think that a lot of teams are assuming that they will when they draft a running back they will not pick up the option and they will just draft another one and just get these cheap guys who they're going to run into the ground Whereas I think with tight ends, they're hoping that this is a guy that's going to stick with us, that they can kind of do it all. They're not as disposable. But I think what we'll what we'll see more is that you'll find that tight ends will really start to like pack out the second and third rounds. It won't like you'll find the the top wide receivers dominating in the first round in terms of kind of pass catchers, but there being lots of depth at tight end because a lot of wide receivers are converting to tight ends because of their because of their size and the the way that the, the job of a tight end has changed so much over the last 10 20 years means that we have this situation where they just look like giant wide receivers and sometimes they can't block sometimes they can but they can at least kind of get in the way and i think we're going to see in the first let's say the first 3 rounds i think we'll see like 10 tight ends taken potentially. Wow. Which is, a, which is a lot. I can see that happening. Wow. Yeah. In, so give give us some names. Who is Eddie going in the first round? Um, I mean, I, I feel like it's going to be more the second, but I would imagine Michael Mayer um, from Notre Dame, I imagine he's going to go in the first round, in part because of the the lack of great wide receivers. And there's a little bit of, I, I, he's, not, he's not a Kelsey type, um, he is perhaps a bit more of a, a, a Cole Komet to think of another uh, tight end out of Notre Dame. I think he's more a Cole Komet, um, but he's he's got a first round he's got a first round talent. And then you've got I really like Dalton Kincaid. Uh, he's probably going to go next. He's the tight end out of out of Utah. Um, he's really quick, great hands, and then kind of going deeper into the into the third. Someone someone I like who's interesting is Tucker Craft. Uh, at South Dakota State. Um, he's obviously not been playing the sort of opposition that some of the other guys have. He's a really raw player, but he is, he's fast and powerful. And his experience, like he's played, he, the reason that I think he's got talent to have not been playing at South Dakota State, who were a powerhouse at FCS level, but not FBS. And the reason he's not at, say, you know, like an Iowa or someone like that is in part because he played at a small high school where they didn't even play 11-man football. It was nine-man football. So he had to learn how to play 11-man football in college. 
but he's just he's got a lot of raw ability and then you've got people like josh weil out of cincinnati um who was good in the senior bowl and um had a good had a good combine um and also potentially will mallory from miami um he's someone i can imagine sneaking in sneaking into the third round potentially i think what can happen is if a few start to go early in the second round everyone will start getting bumped up so will mallory's perhaps not a third round talent but i think it can get to that point where you could have up to 10 in those first three rounds potentially I want our listeners to let us know how many of those names they think Ben Isaac's made up in the last three or four minutes. <laughs> Dalton Kincaid sounds like uh, the alter ego face man would use when he's doing a blag in the A team. <laughs> oh my god, that is so that, that is spot on. That is spot I on. love the fact there is deep, deep tight end class because yeah, it is really the evolution as you suggested of that position is fascinating, and uh, we could have a whole new generation of names breaking through that we're going to be talking about for years to come. On that note, next up on Benny's list, the year of the cornerback. You know it. Our listeners know it. My favorite position in football. And it is quids in if you need a quarterback, a cornerback, because there are some serious, serious prospects. I was looking before you tell us about those prospects, Ben, I was looking at who needs a corner. And if you feel I've missed anyone off, Obvious emissions, let me know. Baltimore, Baltimore need everything by the look mm. of it. But Mark Speed is not at a contract. They need a good tag team partner for Marlon Humphrey. The Colts have traded stuff on Gilmore, so they're going to be looking, you think. The Jags really Shaq Griffin. The Vikings definitely need a corner as well. I mean, and I'm sure there are a number of others that will be, be in the market. So first question, as we're with the tight ends, how many corners going in the first round? Um, I'm going to be conservative and say six, but there's eight players with first round talent, eight of them, who I think if they're drafted in the first round, no one should say that's a reach. You definitely could have got him in the second. You could have up to eight. It it probably won't be eight, but I'd be surprised if it's fewer than six. All right. Who should we be looking out for then? That's a serious depth. Eight in the oh, first round. Wow. These are, these are guys who should be plug and play just elite corner i think like obviously we always love to talk about um like the great quarterback drafts but i think i can imagine in like say three four five years time we could look back on 2023 and and just say like that was historic for cornerbacks like how how these players could turn up so christian gonzalez i think is getting most publicity um he's from he's from oregon he is just he's got great ball skills He's very athletic. Um, he starts at Colorado, moved over to Oregon, and he was just he was just spectacular last season. He can he can do it all. Um, I really like and here's a name that will be familiar to a lot of NFL fans: Joey Porter Jr., the son of the son of uh, Steelers linebacker Joey Porter. He plays for Penn State. He has been like he's got he's got great instincts and. Some I've seen some people kind of in their draft analysis say he doesn't make enough enough big plays, and I think that's simply because people don't throw to throw in his. He's not direction. targeted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I be, he's somebody I'll be following because of 
but because of Pops and because Joey Porter was one of my favourite players, I mean, an absolute it, it, new gen football fans that have maybe missed Joey Porter because it's easy to do that, right? If you fall in love with the game at a certain time, and yeah, you know, of course, about certain players from different eras, but you're going to miss and or discover players if you go just go and look up film on Joey Porter. <laughs> wow, what are the yeah. so I've been watching Joey Porter Jr. keenly and you know, joining the dots because I love that position as well. And he looks the real deal. I don't watch nearly as much college ball as you, but what I've seen, he looks legit. I am all in on him. He's just one of those players that you know is going to hit the ground running. Yeah, um, he is going to be. He's going to be awesome to watch, and it's going to be fun seeing his seeing his dad at the games as well. Like he'll be kind of he'll be living through them. Um, who else do I like that's lower down? Uh, Emmanuel Forbes. So he's so he's he's one of my t- my eight who are good enough to go in the first round, and he's an interesting one because so he's uh, he's at Mississippi State, um, really good season in twenty twenty two. He's fast and he ha- he does play very physically, but he is he's quite slight. He's one hundred and sixty six pounds, and I can't think of a cornerback in the NFL who's that sort of size. Um, he's gonna have to bulk up. He really is. Um, but he's got a lot of he's got a lot of talent and a lot of heart. So I think it, the idea of there being a 166 pound cornerback taken in the first round is perhaps a bit far fetched, but it it could happen. So keep an eye out for Emmanuel Forbes. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be an interesting one to watch. All right, last one of your five things to know about the draft. There'll be plenty of other things you need to know about the draft. And of course, Ben is going to be front and center as we build up to it right here on the NC show college days. But for now, and I've saved the best till last because there is nothing more fun on draft day than an early trade causing absolute chaos. Yeah. This is like, this is like when, and, you know, for for those of us for those of us in the UK, you know, if you are staying up for the draft, it's. I was telling someone just the other day, it's like it's you'd like staying up for the Super Bowl. You know, it's a it's a commitment you've got to make, and what you like at the start of a Super Bowl is perhaps the underdog making an incredible turnover, scoring a touchdown, and just like whoa, everything we thought that was going to happen has changed now. That's what it's like when you get an early trade in the first round of the NFL draft. So much like, of course, the great draft. I must give a shout out to George (laughs) O'Donnell. Hey, George, you tweeted me uh, about a week back saying a few weeks to go to the NFL draft. And I finally watched the film draft day after hearing so much about it from Nat Coombs over the years. I was expecting it to be bad, but it's hilariously bad. So many holes and so unrealistic made it a joy to watch. Uh, thanks George for the message. Uh, That's me on Twitter at Nat Coombs. Betty's on there at tweets from Ben. The show is at the NC show. Uh, Yes, one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> well, of course, I, I think, I feel we need to do a whole episode on draft day, Ben. I feel, and shout out to the great Bill Simmons and the rewatchables. I don't want to start to get too much uh, on his turf. I wonder if he, he must have done draft day. Mm. But I feel we were allowed uh, a version of that, just to dedicate a show to draft day. And, and talk about maybe we can get if we got one of the cast we're not going to get costner we're not going to get dennis leary uh who could we get that might come on the show to talk about it see, we can't get costner i'll be honest once 
once Costner knows we're nominated for the, the best True. NFL podcast, I mean, he's he's probably he's probably texting Meek Mill to text you now. I bet Osi could get Costner on. I bet you yes. knows. I bet you yes. Costner. I uh I well we'll look at we'll look at the cast. Who played the quarterback that they don't go with? Oh my god. I'm looking up the cast now. Yeah, uh you... let's have a look. Because of course the great the late great Chadwick Boseman was in it, of course. Um, yeah. who is wait a minute, P Diddy's in in what? Okay, I need to I need to I need to really drill down here a, a little bit more here. Oh, was, was it Brian Drew? Brian Drew is the oh, yeah, yeah, Brian yeah, Drew. yeah, 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 so yeah. Thomas yeah. Welling, uh, who is best known for his role as Clark Kent in Smallville. I oh, reckon never, we could get I've Tom Welling. I reckon we could. I think we could reach out to Tom Welling and get him on. I mean, I think yeah. I don't see. I don't see why not. I can't imagine he's that busy. Um, but I think first off, we we aim we aim for Costner, Garner, and Leary. And if, if we can get, if we can get those, we're really Leary. I, I mean, Leary is was a seminal <laughs> influence on me, as you well know. So get Leary on. I don't know if I'd I don't know if I'd be able to hold my shit together, to be honest. No, I mean you you mentioned Leary in the book as well. Um I've, oh, I haven't plugged my book in this. Nice. Episode. Well, hey, let's get that out there. Come on, where do listeners uh, get get involved with pre-ordering the book? Yeah, well, it's um it's gonna go up for pre-order soon. Uh it'll be out late summer. It's called The American Football Revolution. Um, I don't think you'll read a better book about um nfl fans in the uk than this one because i think it is perhaps the first one uh written about nfl fans in the uk and the commitment that uh they all have to this great sport um but yes dennis leary gets uh gets a gets a plug yeah from the great one and only nat crooms uh yeah. he is a, a polarizing figure but i am yes. um, definitely in team leary's cap right we better crack on because we've got um to play yeah, we got <laughs> We got to play rookie well, uh, draft roulette. So let's just, just to emphasize your point or to to uh, elaborate on your point. So Brett, shaking up things at the top, what could happen? Do you think? What are you seeing in your crystal ball? What I can what I can see is is that and this is this is my hope is that someone like an Atlanta or a Las Vegas or a Tennessee. And I'm not saying this is what they should do, but as someone who wants to be entertained on draft day, this is what I want to see. I want to see one of those sorts of teams trade up. Trade trade with the Cardinals to take that third pick to take a quarterback. Is mm. Arizona and I don't think they're gonna. You know they they're all in on Kyler for for right or wrong, and we think the Colts are gonna want to take a quarterback. I think it changes everything if someone if someone like Tennessee decides okay we're going up to number three and we're gonna take Anthony Richardson or we're gonna take Will Levis who's been getting a lot of bad publicity this week. I just that's what I want to see because once once. Once there's a run on quarterbacks, everything goes wild. Everyone loses their mind. No one seems to be able to make any sort of good judgments. That's how you end up with Zach Wilson at the Jets. Oh, harsh, low blow, but fair. All right, <laughs> good. Uh, Betty's five things to know. More of where that came from. Let's get, because we've got a couple of uh, mailbags we want to get to as well, but let's get in. It's that time. I'm as excited as I'm sure you are, listeners, for a bit of draft roulette. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, it's a long spin. It, Benny, <laughs> how many chips have you got riding on this? Oh, here we go. Uh, I'm all in. I'm pushing them all in. Bijan Robinson, running back Michigan. Ah, uh, right. So now we obviously talked about the value of running backs. Now I am of the opinion that it's got to be an extreme case that you're ever going to use a first round pick on a running back. The, the only players I can think of that in recent years that I have advocated 
use one on him. And I feel like I've probably been proved right on these. Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, and Saquon. Right. Those are those are the those are the three. That's not to say that others haven't been good enough that you would say in hindsight they'd be worth a first round pick. But going into the draft, those were ones I would say were worth a first round pick. I think Bijan Robinson is worth a first round pick. I put him in that tier of running backs. He's an incredibly hard worker. He's he's got great instincts. I love the way he cuts when he's got the ball. He gets yards after contact. He's he's like a, he's a really kind of like tough running guy, but he is an absolutely exceptional pass catcher. He is perhaps not like the equal of Christian McCaffrey, but I would I would I would put him up there against any other running back catching the ball out of the backfield. I think he's going to be a great weapon for a team that already has a lot of good players. And I, when I did a mock draft, a very, very early mock draft. Before you answer we, uh, in Miami, I I think we might go for a, a really do. The re-upping, we talked about this on the show the other week. Uh, all right, running back core, everyone was surprised. They're all re-upped. Jeff Wilson and co. Injury issues there. Ahmed, eh. Oh, I could see us going for it, and then maybe it's going to be lower down, and maybe McDaniel's got his eyes on the prize lower down. But come on, wouldn't he fit he, well with Miami? Oh, absolutely, and he's a safety blanket for a quarterback who's potentially under pressure. A guy that you know that if you hand the ball off to him, he's going to grind out the yards, but also can just make those third down conversions. It's like third and four, and he will just get himself open in the flat, quick completion. You've got five yards, move the chains. He's that. He's that sort of player. He's so elusive. If if you've not watched Bijan Robinson highlights, definitely do so. He's like he's cool enough that he had his own brand of mustard, and not many not many players have. So his his brand of mustard, uh, Dijon Mustardson. All right, which... let's go, let's go. Here we go. Oh, Harris Johnson Jr. Offensive tackle, Ohio State. Now he's it's. It's an interesting um, draft for offensive linemen. I think it's quite top-heavy that if you want a real high-end offensive tackle, you are going to have to do it in the first round, potentially in the first half of the first round. I'd say Parrish Johnson's probably the second-best offensive lineman after Peter Skaronski at Northwestern, who, if you were at the game in Dublin last summer, you will have seen in the flesh, which is nice. Um, Parrish Johnson is incredibly athletic. He's big, athletic, quick feet, He's an aggressive, an aggressive player. He needs to work a little bit on the on the run blocking a little bit. Um, he's he's better he's better in pass protection. All right, let's was... get let's get one more in. Sorry, buddy. As we go, rolling. Go, go. it's so rolling. Do you want to get that final point? Um, he, well, he was he was the blindside protection for CJ Stroud, and he kept CJ Stroud upright last season. Love it. All right, there's a bit oh there's a bit of an argument going on between the croupier. And there's a guy with a moustache and a lizard, an emerald lizard brooch. It's getting a bit... Hang on. They're calling the pit boss. I don't, I'm, don't make my thoughts that many. Don't make, just, just look away. Lucas <laughs> Van Ness, Edge Iowa. He's going to go high, right? Top five pick? Oh, yeah. He's he's going to go high. And again, what's interesting with him in terms of depth, it's a little bit the opposite of the offensive line situation in that it's a very, it's a very deep one. So... I think offensive line is very top heavy and it's going to be very even for defensive line. Now, Lucas Van Ness is, is going to be a top, like he's not, he's not Will Anderson level, um, but he is again, someone who is like very big, 
very powerful, absolute, like a super, super hard worker. Um, he, he grew up playing ice hockey as well. He could have, um, he could have potentially gone into that. He grew up in the Chicago suburbs playing both sports at a very high level. I think he's going to be something special. Um, in fact, he, he he may come home to Chicago. I can imagine the Bears, they need love defensive it. line help. Really love that. He's a, good, he's a good fit. Bring him home. Love that. All right. We will play more draft roulette next time Benny's on. And uh, you can count Benny being on a lot over the coming weeks, of course, with the draft coming up. Uh, just hopefully that guy with the emerald brooch. Because <laughs> I'm just feeling, it's feeling a bit of attention now. It's, it's just a bit awkward. Uh, it's awkward, let's go, yeah. Let's go find the Sigma, Sigma Derby. All right. We'll get out of Dodge. Rapid fire, Benny. Uh, mailbag because we have had a lot of questions in and I want to get into some of them right thank you everybody that sent them in and if we ha- don't get into the questions you sent in today we'll, we'll try and stock them up and uh, maybe do a mailbag special uh, there's talk of an Iron Mike show next week so all good good stuff coming your way right Luke Jarvis hey Luke should the Raiders at number seven take whichever quarterback lands their way or trade back for a cluster of players to fill multiple needs uh, they should definitely trade back. It would be a fun and very Raiders thing to do to just take a quarterback, but I'm not sure if a player they want is going to be there at number seven. Trading back and getting more picks, they need they need that depth in the roster. I I actually think Jimmy G is going to be fine for a few years. They're not in a super hurry for a quarterback. They should probably take one late, but don't force it. Okay, Adam Archer. Hey, Adam. What do you think is the biggest area of weakness that Green Bay need to address regardless of the Aaron Rodgers situation receiver yeah in fact I would say why don't say pass catchers because they've lost Mm. two tight ends they need tight end help I think their pass catching group is one of the thinnest groups in the league and it's going to be I mean I I well I think it's safe to say it's going to be Jordan Love playing quarterback he's going to need that help and as we've said it's a bad it's a bad time to be trying to get a wide receiver it is a good time to be getting a tight end but they need they need more than just okay we'll get a blue chip tight end and the rest will fall into place. They they're really thin at receiver. All right, last one, James Gregory. Hey James, Ben's big. Oh, just ask for my biggest draft bust of all time. Oh. Just wants Ben's biggest draft. Fine, James, that's fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> say Darius Hayward Bay. Oh, I was thinking Darius Hayward Bay because fascinating. Speak of the Raiders doing Raiders things, right? Taking mm-hmm. Hayward Bay seven. I want to say seven overall. But Something yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. Ten-year yeah. career in the pros, so the whole definition of draft bust—it's all relative, right? I mean, yes. respect to Hayward Bay, incredible college player, ten years in the pros. Okay, didn't live up to the heady heights of a number seven overall pick, but respect to him. So, okay. Uh, anyway, he doesn't care what I think. He cares what you <laughs> think, Betty Boy. Ben's biggest draft bust of all time, and did you predict it? James reckons. Jamarcus Russell, which has got to be on a short list, right? Oh, Jamarcus Russell is definitely kind of in the in the conversation. I I always go with Ryan Leaf, and I think it's because of the fact that he went with Peyton Manning. Now the thing is, is that yeah, Ryan Leaf was a in the end being a terrible decision, but at least the Chargers. It's not like they picked him over Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning went first to the Colts. And then they pick Ryan Leaf next. And the thing is, is I remember the build up to that draft, which I was following mainly through first down previews um, and occasionally reading about it online on the university computers. I didn't have the Internet at home at that point. This would have been like spring of 98. And lots of people were just like, it's they're as good as each other. Nobody really could feel 100 percent confident which one should go one overall. And obviously the Colts made the right decision. And the the charges, it was a disaster for them. But I think you've got to cut them a little bit of slack because they didn't pick him over 
like other quarterbacks. Jamarcus Russell went as the first player overall, which is awful because they could have had anyone. I did, I can't say I predicted either of those because I wasn't I wasn't covering college football at that point. But I, if Zach Wilson ends up being a bust, I'm definitely going to take credit for that because I was saying for months and months, all our draft coverage on this show and on TalkSport, I was saying Zach Wilson is being so overrated. In fact, you know what? Zach Wilson reminds me of the TV show Ted Lasso. And that's Whoa. because, listen, let, hear me out. Hear me out, right? I really want to like Ted Lasso. And I've watched every episode. Watched, an ep- watched the new episode last night because my wife loves it. I really want to love it. And I watch it and I think, I don't get why people love it. It's not that I think it's terrible. I just don't get why people feel like, oh, this is the best thing on TV. And lots of people do think it is the best thing on TV. And people were saying about Zach Wilson, oh, well, he might be as good as Trevor Lawrence. And I thought, he's not even a first round talent. What what am I missing? And I just saw so much of Zach Wilson that year and went back and watched so much because I thought, what am I missing? And I think that a little bit with Ted Lasso. And a few weeks back, I tweeted something. Um, It was when Gary Lineker was suspended and wasn't on match of the day. And I put something on Twitter on that Saturday evening, like it's a bad few days for football on TV with the chaos at match of the day and the return of the painfully overrated Ted Lasso. Oh, I bet you got a hate for that, Betty. So I, I, the thing is, right, I didn't tag any, didn't tag anyone in. I wasn't tagging. I'm assuming there's a Ted Lasso account. I didn't tag in that. I didn't tag in Apple TV. I didn't tag in match of the day, BBC. It was just that, just that text. It went viral. Within, within five minutes... It had been liked by Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> oh, no. And I was Daddy. mortified. Oh, mate. Oh, mate. I was actually going to joke, did Sudeikis kick, kick off with you? And that's even better than kicking off. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Just kill him with kindness. Kill him with kindness. Oh, boy. Oh, you are. That's well, just textbook, Ben. <laughs> if you're, if you're listening, ben. Jason, like, sure I think is. you're great. And that's why I want to like Ted Lasso more. And in fact, there should be more Jason Sudeikis in Ted Lasso and less of the other characters, maybe. You, you uh, know what? As always, Benny, you are not afraid to tackle the controversial subjects. And there is a lot of validity <laughs> in what you say. I I like Ted Lasso apparently more than you do. But I, I agree. I don't think it is. Hey, it's, it's uh, not up there with the all-time greats of the last 20 years. But it's a good... I mean, it's no SWAT. <laughs> <laughs> It's no sort. It's, it's all I, I could have said. Where are you on the you know, watching you succession? Oh yeah, I, I absolutely. I that is an, a real event in so my. I'm house. worried. I'm a little bit worried. Here's my hey. Here's my equivalent of your Ted Lasso hot take. I've only seen episode one. I'm a little bit worried with episode one that that slightly knowing, indulging, we're a fucking hit is creeping in a little. Now look, I succession. An incredible series. I'm definitely not going to tweet that and get vitriol no. from one of the leading cast members. And it is, uh, it is only it was only little fragments of it at times, and maybe that's just par for the course when you have a show as brilliant and successful as it. But I look at shows like my all-time favorites, like The Wire, The West Wing. Even though The West Wing, I know had its issues come season five, but rarely is this sense of self we're fucking good and i just got it i I, I know partly because they obviously improvise the way they they the way that show is built i guess it just allows for that a little bit 
I know I know what you mean. I've got such confidence though yeah. in the writers and the performers to make it good. And do you know what? Because we mentioned Ted Lasso and the attention it gets, I want to shout out two comedy series that I bet most people listening have never heard of and that you should try and try and find them and watch them any way you can. Um, one is called Southside, which is set on the south side of Chicago and is I won't I it's basically a bunch of people in a kind of like furniture rental sort of place and their misadventures. It's not a workplace comedy and it goes into fantastical elements as well. It is absolutely worth watching Southside. Find that. And the second one, there's been one season of this. I hope it's going to come back. It's called The Bust Down. And it's set, it's the workers at a, at a small, grimy casino in Gary, Indiana. So Gary, Indiana, which is birthplace of Michael Jackson, and it's right next to Chicago. Like, you know, I think pretty much you can like spit from Gary, Indiana and hit Chicago. It is, it's, it's right there. So these are two kind of sort of Chicago-y sorts of, uh, sorts of shows. I would say, because I, I don't think they're, they're, coming to, they're coming to British TV necessarily. So watch Bust Down and watch Southside. Freddie Gibbs, if you if you if you know the rapper Freddie Gibbs, um, he's from he's from Indiana, and he's a huge Chicago Bears fan as well. So shout out to Freddie Gibbs if you're if you're listening here. He plays a role in Bust Down and is fantastic. It's it's so good. I got I've got to say both those shows. Please look them up. Amazing. That's a great step. One final thing, singers are on this tip and go back to Succession. Uh, I had an interview with Nicholas Brittel, who's the composer uh, of the well, the series, but uh, including the the theme, the score, and it's brilliant. His explanation of uh, of that piece of music, uh, why he's made it the way he has, the imperfections that are within it, slightly out of tune moments. It's just inspired, and I heard it. I think it was on. A Radio 4 show I had an interview with, but if I drill it down further, he's had a similar interviews. I think one with Vanity Fair that's on YouTube. Just go and, and if you're a fan of Succession and look, look that out. And just to be clear, just to be clear, Succession's incredible. I don't want to stop getting hate that I was laying into Succession, but I just want to see how this series rolls. Yeah, and yeah, and it's that's it's because you hold it to a high standard. It's not right. like you're saying like, oh, what's the fuss over Succession? It's, I love this show. I'm worried that it'll... Yeah, go off the rails a little bit. And it is a wonderful score. And that theme tune is absolutely fantastic. It's one that I want to listen to each time I put Succession on. I don't fast forward it. And I'm a fan of the rapper Pusha T. We've gone to a lot of rappers today. Pusha T. Pusha T. Um, Pusha T's got a song called Puppets. And there's a Succession remix of that. So look that up. It's probably on Spotify. In fact, I'm sure it's on Spotify. I'm sure it comes up on my Spotify list um, and YouTube as well. But yeah. Search for Pusha T, that's Pusha with an A, Pusha T and Puppets, uh, Succession Remix. Definitely love worth it. listening to. Love it. it. Again, not comparable to the theme tune of Swap, but no. <laughs> not <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, right, we're rocking and rolling uh, out of Dodge this time, but we are going to be back for more, as I say, all through the draft build-up. So keep your ears peeled. We even agreed that that is something we can say what well, we've been saying it for years in this show. So keep focused, keep locked in. If you haven't, if you're discovering us for the first time, listening to the show for the first time, good to have you with us. Subscribe. You won't miss an episode. We've got stuff rolling over on our social channels as well at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. 
Benny, fine work, bud. Look after yourself. Cheers. I'm off to go uh, skiing with Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> what a charmer she is. Look after yourself. Have fun. Podcast Network.